Saturday we have our matchup. It's going to be Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, a one-handed maybe. Jared Goff. Maybe Aaron Donald. Yeah, maybe Aaron Donald, maybe Jared Goff, definitely Sean McVay. Coming to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. It's the matchup that scared us earlier in the season, but now I don't think it has much of its luster as it did. Did did you see uh, Lamar Jackson's post-game interview? No. Where they're like, this was a matchup build between you and Derrick Henry. And he goes, no, it's not. We don't even play the same position. <laughs> We're not even on the field at the same time. <laughs> they're still trying to make Lamar Jackson a running back, RJ. Yeah. You, you and Derrick Henry. Uh, this one, I mean, they're going to bill it as Aaron Donald, I think, versus uh, Aaron Rodgers. See, that one's more of a good one because yeah. they're going to be on the field at the same time. So if you're watching the L.A. Rams game against the Seahawks, Russell Wilson landed. So Aaron Donald came through, was coming to sack Russell Wilson, and as Aaron Donald was pulling him down, they kind of twisted a little bit, and Donald landed on the ground on his side. And on this other side that was up exposed, Russell Wilson landed on it, his butt, and all his weight landed on Aaron Donald's ribs. And right then and there, Donald started like holding his ribs, tried to get up, then went back down to his knees and started holding his ribs again. And I'm like, and I forget, was it who was announcing that game? Was it Romo? Uh, whoever it was announcing that game were like, yeah, looks like it, or maybe it was Buck. Looks like they hurt his foot. I'm like, what broadcaster? First of all, what broadcast are you watching? He's obviously holding his ribs, and he's like in pain wincing. Yeah, it looks like he might have rolled his leg or his foot. I'm like, did you not clearly see Russell Wilson land on his ribs? So the Rams are hopeful that Aaron Donald will be able to go on Saturday. Uh, Sean McVay has never bet against um, AD, Aaron Donald. And then they forgot to mention that uh, there was an MRI coming yesterday, but no break was detected. So we'll see what happens with uh, Aaron Donald. They're hopeful that the stud defensive lineman will play. Um, obviously, them losing Aaron Donald will be huge. Or even just Aaron Donald not being 100% is huge. Does that even the playing field with no David Bakhtiari then, Rowdy? With a little banged up Aaron Donald then? I mean, it hel- it helps. As, as Sean McVay says, don't bet against AD, Aaron Donald. It definitely helps. But, I mean, you look at what the Green Bay Packers have been able to accomplish without some of their best offensive linemen, and you, you can't say that you all of a sudden think that the Rams are going to sack Aaron Rodgers like every other play, right? Yeah. I, uh... This is going to be a good game, but it's lost some of its luster, man. So the Rams. But as a Packer fan, are you upset that it's lost a little bit of its luster? I mean, you would like to see two teams. (laughs) I mean, are you mad? (laughs) I'm not, but don't you? I like to see two teams at their full strength go against each other. But at the end of the day, you take any help you'd get. If my team's the one at full strength and the other isn't, I don't feel bad. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're like, you'll take it. Yeah. But I much rather would be playing these. Los Angeles Rams with a banged up Aaron Donald and a banged up Jared Goff than the Rams that were and a possible no Cooper Cup. Yeah, than the Rams, <laughs> I know. Than the Rams that yeah. were the Rams of Week Ten. So yeah. check this out: you have Aaron Donald battling, you know, at the minimum bruised ribs. J- their quarterback Jared Goff just literally had surgery on his thumb, and he had to be thrown into the game because their yeah. uh, okay. Quarterback... By the way, but can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, we're going. Why was Jared Goff? Good enough to be the backup? 
But if you if he was good enough to be the emergency backup, they were only carrying two quarterbacks. Yes, yeah, they did why, not have the third. Why, yeah, why? Why is he suited up and healthy enough to play, but not starting? Yeah, Jared Goff. Valid, why? Valid why? Question. Jared Goff had surgery on a they broken were thumb. They hoping to give him one more week. <laughs> he had surgery on his broken thumb after Week 16. It was not expected to play at all against the Seahawks. Yeah. Then John Walford was knocked out of the game with like a neck head injury, and then John. Have there been any updates on him? I haven't seen anybody. I still haven't looked. And then Goff came in. If you if you saw like him during the game, his thumb was like three size sizes yeah. bigger than his other thumb. It was clearly. I mean, he just had surgery, yeah. and he's in there, and he outdueled Russell. I mean, outdueled per se. Well, we got released from the hospital. He beat Russell Wilson. Wilson has, was healthy. Goff literally just had thumb surgery. Yeah. So Goff. I, honestly, though, I mean, the the Rams. Are two and one now against the Seahawks this year in the three combined games, 16 sacks for 88 yards. Wow. Yeah. They well, the, they put the pressure on that. And yeah. it's not like the Seahawks have a great offensive line or even a good one. Right. Um, well, the Seahawks haven't had a a decent offensive line since they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Because that was when they started. Uh, extending some of the guys on the Legion of Boom, extending Russell Wilson, and there really wasn't much well, money to go around. And the, guess where uh, a lot of that I money? Mean, really, did the go. only person they extended was Bobby Wagner yeah. on, on that Legion of Boom. Yeah, He's the only one right. left. And then they gave the rest of the money to Russell Wilson. And now skilled position guys are still on their rookie contracts. Well, they gave money and, to Cam Chancellor too, but uh, did he retire? I think he did. <sighs> yeah, what is he doing now? Um. Cam but yeah, they gave, they gave money out to everyone else, and they really didn't take care of the line. Right. But Russell Wilson is so good and so elusive and still young enough that yeah, they retired. can kind of get away with it. Yeah. He retired. Until you play a team like the Rams. Well, that's the thing. It's like, um, yeah, the Seahawks, <laughs> those guys. the Seahawks have some good skill positions. Obviously, Russell Wilson. And other than that, they really don't have much. The Rams, what they did have is now dwindling. Because Cooper Cup might not be playing. He left the game in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. and Well, they're saying the injury wasn't considered serious, but he's still banged up. We'll see. Aaron Donald, at the minimum, has bruised ribs. An MRI was planned for yesterday. I haven't seen the update for that. Um, Jared Goff has a thumb surgery. Yeah. Like well, his thumb's like and with that three Aaron times Donald the size. injury, I love how they're like, I can't exactly see what happened. A man fell on top of him. Uh, yeah. He took the whole weight of a man. We're, on his ribs. Did they have different cameras than we had watching yeah. at home? They're just, I, I'm, I'm failing to see what happened. It looks there. like it could have been his ankle or his foot. I'm like, you clearly saw Russell yeah. Wilson put <laughs> his whole body weight on his ribs, right? Like, I'm not the only one that saw that. I don't know what you're doing here. I know you guys are broadcast from like a closet in your house, but like, I saw it. I think you guys saw it. But I think the one big thing, though, for the Rams that is a positive is that Cam Akers is starting to get going. Yeah. Cam Akers was a really good running back at Florida State. He was a Heisman hopeful back when Florida State was still respectable when he was a freshman. <laughs> and then pretty much after that, that whole team just deteriorated. Yeah. The coaching staffs deteriorated. The offensive line was terrible. The quarterbacks might have been even worse. And Cam, and Cam Akers was basically a Heisman caliber player stuck on a crappy Florida State team. Yeah. Honestly, his junior year was... 2019 so they were yeah 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So when, he, when he was a freshman, they went downhill pretty quick. When he was a freshman, I, if I remember correctly, he was actually on the Heisman watch list. Yeah, because he was supposed to be one of the you know the studs coming out of high school that everyone wants, and he he showed a lot of promise. Two out of those three years, he was a thousand yard rusher. But then you watch that that last year of him at college, he was literally getting hit at the line of scrimmage or about a yard from the line of scrimmage, like oh, yeah. every single play. That line was so bad. I mean, imagine having to play with Alex Hornibrook. <laughs> and imagine having to play imagine with Alex Hornibrook. That guy is your QB. You gotta, I don't have to imagine it. I saw it. Yeah, we saw it for, hey, for a little bit there, that quarterback well, play for Hornibrook was good. Do you no. remember when they had, uh, was it Francois? Yeah. That had a lot of promise. What was it, his freshman year? Yep. And then all of a sudden, James Blackman, I think it was James Blackman, was playing a little bit. And then it was Blackman. And then it was Hornibrook. And then they didn't know who to play. Like, that was a disaster down in Florida State. Oh, yeah. Cam, Cam Akers is a very talented player, and it seems like he's finally just starting to come into his own, kind of like Jonathan Taylor, who in the last handful of weeks is all of a sudden starting to play really well. Trends are our friends. Green Bay has only played in the Saturday afternoon TV slot of divisional playoff weekends two previous times. 1996, January 6th against the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers beat them 27-17. to January 12th, 2008, the Packers decimate the Seattle Seahawks 42-20. to Now, third time coming up, Saturday, 335, Packers versus L.A. Rams, Rowdy. How about those stats right there? And now how about this one? Uh, loyal listener and good friend of the show, Gavin, called in and said this stat ooh, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago now, I think, about playing in the cold weather. Jared Goff, L.A. Rams quarterback who had to uh, – what would you call him yesterday? I know he was the backup, but wouldn't you say he's the emergency quarterback because he was the only other quarterback on the roster. He just had surgery on his thumb. It was all swollen. He had to come in and play because that Walford guy got his, his clock cleaned. Yeah, it was really weird. They, they uh, deactivated Blake Bortles and went with Jared Goff instead. Because remember, they yeah. had just re-signed – so Blake Bortles was yeah, with them, them in the past – they had just re-signed him because of the Jared Goff injury. I think he'd only been with them for about two weeks. Well, they decided to deactivate him and activate Jared Goff. So Jared Goff was the backup. And if anything happened, he was playing. Yeah. Well, no Blake Bortles. Well, they went first, with- first quarter, you're in. Yeah, Walford gets his clock cleaned like his head was lobbed off. And then all of a sudden, here's Jared Goff coming in with a normal thumb and his other thumb because he just had surgery on it like a couple days ago. It looked like it was like three times the size of his other thumb. Yeah. I, and he outdueled Russell Wilson, who had two thumbs that were fine. I nearly was the second Midwest fam employee to have an aneurysm because when I saw them, all of a sudden. Bro, you throw, can't, I almost <laughs> cough, well, like cough. When I saw them throw a flag for t- like the targeting, the personal foul. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw them throw the flag for that personal foul, uh-huh. when Walford took off running, I about lost my mind because he was a runner. He was running down the field and he even leaned forward with a dive forward. He didn't give himself up with a slide and Jamal Adams comes in and he even lays off right at the end and kind of just throws his shoulder at the guy instead of completely going, you know, head first, head shoulder first and destroying him. kind of just turns to the side and throws the shoulder into Walford's head. And obviously, the guy's starting to go down. You're changing levels, too. And the shoulder hits the head, and now he's got a neck, and his neck is sore. But I, I'm, they picked up the flag, but I about lost it. I like how 
I like how you peppered in the aneurysm <laughs> comment there. Uh, okay, Nelly, let's play along with me. Play along. Well, with you me. know, if I would have suffered one, I would have told you about it every day after. If, 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 let me ask you, if you were driving into work in the wee hours of the morning, what's what time are you on the road? Like five o'clock? Five fifteen. Five. All right, you're on the road at five fifteen. You're driving into work, and all of a sudden your head starts to really hurt. You pull over it so bad, in fact, you got to pull over to the side of the road. And you're sitting there in your car, and you can't drive because your head hurts so bad. And instead of calling, I don't know, like an ambulance or the hospital, you call another coworker and say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it into work. And then that coworker kind of says, you know what, how about you come in? I'll take care of you if you get to work. So you get to work, and you still do your job somehow. And then you come to find out that after you do your job, you come in, your head still is just banging hurt. It hurts so bad. You feel that you know something's wrong. Would you still go into work and do the show from 6 to 10 with me? Or would you go straight to the hospital and find out, oh, it looks like you had an aneurysm? Which, would you, as you're driving into work and it feels like your head just exploded, pain you've never felt before, would you still come to work to do the four-hour show? Or would you go to the hospital? Honestly, being the man's man that I am, yeah? probably would have got it looked at two weeks later because I would have thought that. That's what I'm talking about. While I was sleeping at night, I was probably doing like, Math problems. Rowdy, I'm glad you're so committed to the job and so committed to the show that you would come in despite having a brain aneurysm. Because I kid you not, folks, that actually happened here. <laughs> not to Rowdy, but someone else. They came in, did their job, went to work, or then went to the hospital because their head hurt so bad. They had an aneurysm. Survived it. Unbelievable. All right, Rowdy, so you'd still, I would do the same too. I would, if my head hurt, I'd still come in and I'd do the show at a high level. And then I would go to the hospital maybe, maybe a couple weeks later. And then I might celebrate with, I don't know, maybe a beer and a cig. <laughs> and an energy drink. All right, so yeah. Uh, so Walford almost looked like he had an aneurysm, just like Rowdy almost did watch him go down. Jared Goff comes into the game with a, a thumb that doesn't work. He just had surgery on it, folks. It's huge. It's like it's, and I, it's I, huge. I love how they're talking about Jared Goff and his thumb and how he's got, um, what, still plates or whatever they put in there, screws, yeah, whatever screws. they had in there. And they were making a big deal about it, you know, how he shouldn't probably be playing and look how swollen his thumb is. And well, it's got to hurt every single time he, he grips the football and takes the snap. Then I just sit there and laugh because for the most part, he didn't play a very good football game. It, that was a pretty ugly game offensively. Obviously, the Rams defense looked good. The Rams defense scored points. Yeah. Well, did you expect Goff to have a good well, game? When and, was... and the Rams' run game was pretty good. I mean, Cam Akers ran for over 130 yards. Yeah. But I think it's funny because, I don't know, about 15, 15-ish years ago, a, a man named Brett Favre did the same thing. Ooh, Brett Lorenzo but Favre, But we were baby. asking him to come in and win games for the Packers, not have the defense play no, super well. Put the team on his back. Not, not maybe give the football to Amon Green 30 times, but to go out and win football games. Yeah, because he's a freaking soldier, dude. Brett yeah, Lorenzo Favre. Yeah, Jared Jared Goff at best is an average quarterback, and now with well, a bad why thumb. Why do you even ponder? Pa- Oop, wrong one. Sorry, buddy. What are you gonna say? Just Jared God. Jared Goff is an average quarterback at best. Here's what I want. And wanted. now he's got a bad thumb, and he's not throwing the football very well. And then you look at Cooper Cup might be out. Yeah. You look at their best Aaron defensive Donald. player, and Aaron Donald is nursing some bad ribs. He- Here's Obviously, his thumb. Here's what I want. I know their offensive line has been dinged up. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. <laughs> what the hell is Brett Favre doing here? I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Broken thumb or not, Favre would still go out there and get her done. I mean, Cooper, not Cooper Cup, Jared Goff, Rowdy, did not have that good of a game. 
But here's the thing. Russell Wilson, who was healthy? Who do you think played with more... Before we st- talk about that, we'll start with the Brett Favre. Who do you think played with more broken fingers that season? Brett Favre or his receivers? <laughs> Brett Favre. Why? Well, I mean, how many how many fingers? Uh, who was all broken there? I don't know. Because catching mean, all the Brett Favre darts. Yeah, the hundred mile an hour fastballs he would throw all at the him. Brett Favre darts you get to break your fingers. Man, what the hell is Brett Favre doing here? I'm in town to play the Dolphins. You dumbass. <laughs> Jared Goff, though, dude, Jared Goff, 9 of 19, 155 yards and a touchdown. That's a rating of 93.1. Russell Wilson, who had two healthy thumbs, 11 of 27, 174 yards, two touch, two tutties, and an interception for a rating of 72.1. Jared Goff outdueled Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's quarterback rating, 17.6. Average is 50, right? Jared Goff, 49.7. What I've noticed from Goff the last few years, even when he when he was playing really well, when he got, basically the season he got that big extension from mm-hmm. the Super Bowl run, uh, Jared Goff, I mean, decent arm, right? Yeah, he's he's but uh, he's a game. He's manager. definitely limited in what he can do. And one of the big things where he is not a very good quarterback at all is when he has pressure. Yeah. And what have we talked about with the Green Bay Packers defense the last six seven weeks? The defense is playing better. They're getting more pressure on the quarterback. Zadarius Smith was the constant pretty much all season, but Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary have stepped it up. Yeah. And to that point, Rashawn Gary was more consistent than Preston Smith, but it seems like those last handful of weeks, Preston Smith has even played better. Mm-hmm. Now you have also still have Kenny Clark, and you added Snacks Harrison. Snacks. That just continues to add to that defensive line. Uh, you look at how... Mike Pettin has all of a sudden started maybe blitzing a little bit more. Whatever he's doing, he's, keep he's, doing it, dude. He's put more guys in the box. He's yeah. had more guys on the defensive front. He's changed up his his uh, philosophy a little bit the last few games, which is also a positive. But if they can continue to get pressure on Jared Goff, you just watch him in the pocket when he's getting moved about in the pocket and he he can't set his feet it's uncomfortable. and throw. He is really not a good quarterback. No, he's not. And, and that's a difference between... Like, if, if play, people do that to Aaron Rodgers or if people do that to, uh, we'll say, Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, those guys still have the ability to move out in the pocket to yes, big time. even escape the pocket and or climb the pocket, et cetera. But even if you look at a guy that is probably uh, even less mobile than Jared Goff, because Jared Goff is a guy that you look at him, you're like, okay, he's not fast, yeah. but, but he's not slow when he runs. He's actually a decent athlete, yeah. but he's just not comfortable when the pocket breaks down. Like even Tom Brady, who's probably the least mobile quarterback in the NFL, which makes sense since hey, he's Tommy, 43. Tommy. That's a guy that still moves around in the pocket so much better yeah, than Jared sure. Goff. Jared Goff is like basically a, a, I've never been a big believer a sitting in Goff. target back there. And now yeah. he's got a busted thumb. Um, speaking of his busted thumb, that's going to be in his mind, obviously, as he's playing. Rowdy, do you think that... Well, you could tell even when he was getting tackled in that uh, Seahawks game, he was doing stuff mentally to not fall on his thumb. Like, oh, he, yeah. He would well, catch of course, he just had surgery the, on yeah, it. Yeah, he would catch himself or he would protect himself as he was about to get hit on that Ch- thumb. Yeah. That obviously affects you. Because normally, I mean, we talked about Brett Favre and his thumb. That guy wasn't protecting himself from anything. No. He was still going to play the game... As hard as he could, he's going to chuck it as far as he could. 
mentally it has to do something a little bit to you if all of a sudden when you're about to take hits, you're kind of changing how you play well, there's this. to protect that thumb. So Jared Goff obviously is going to have the thumb in the back of his mind. I mean, how can you not? You just literally had surgery on it. You have pins in and your thumb. I think it tells you a little bit of something when Sean McVay wanted to go with Walford. For, oh, yeah, he started, he started for, the game. For a reason. Yeah, he started he the game. with them for a reason. Yeah, because he was the guy that was healthy and that could throw the ball, a grip a ball. And that was a guy that was playing, what, in the AAF? Yes. He, the, he felt, more, now com- defunct he, he AAF felt more comfortable playing a starting quarterback that was just playing in the AAF about a year ago than he did Jared Goff, who led his well, team did you to a see, Super Bowl. Did you see Jared Goff on the sidelines? They'd cut to his uh, pictures of his thumbs. And his one thumb, obviously, was normal. His other thumb was triple the size. He literally just had surgery. He had plates. He's got screws in there, whatever the hell he's got in his thumb. It's all bandaged up. It looks like it's going to explode. It's so, uh, you know, uh, inflamed because of surgery. So Jared Goff comes in. That's going to be in the back of his mind. So I'm not exactly sure what happened to Walford with the neck. Obviously, maybe it was a neck He's stinger. dead. He's dead, Jim. You know, who knows what officially happened? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he probably, since it's the neck, doesn't play next week. Yeah, I'm going to go on a limb and say that too. <laughs> since it's only a week after Ooh, suffering Actually, I have injury? an update for you on that. I have an update for you on that, Rowdy. What does he have, a stinger? Yep. Sean McVay, just moments ago, saying John Walford has, quote, a stinger, and he will be day to day. Yeah, so questionable to play on the weekend. But if he didn't, Suffer that stinger. Say say he played the whole game, everything else happened like it did, they won, and now they're playing Green Bay. Do you think he's still going with Walford against Green Bay, or do you think he would go to Jared Goff in the cold uh, with the bad yeah. thumb? Well, I think in the cold, here's this. I don't – well, I mean, if John Walford, if they – I think they, if, if, I think if, they, they still the same them. win. I think they still with Walford, too. I mean, he just had major surgery on his thumb. What? You, I mean, yes, I think they stick with Walford. But props to Goff for stepping in, but check this out. Well, I think – Yes, that's that's what Green I'm Bay has to get going. This for a while that's what Green Bay has going for them is that they have a a team that their head coach I don't think necessarily wants to play the starting quarterback. No. So you have Jared Goff with the major surgery on his thumb. That's going to be in the back of his mind. You know, you have that inflamed. You have that all. Obviously, he'll have a week to try and heal it up. But I mean, a body can only do so much within a week's time. And then there's this: if Jared Goff is starting as quarterback, the cold. Of Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. Jared Goff not only battling that thumb surgery, but Jared Goff in cold weather of 35 degrees or less, as it's supposed to be. Let me just look at my weather tracker here. Green Bay on Saturday is supposed to be cloudy and a high of 27, a low of 18. Jared Goff in cold weather games, 35 degrees or less. He is 34 of 72. That's good for 47% completions. 381 yards, zero touchdowns, and five interceptions. Not only will he be battling, you know, rehabbing from his surgery if he does start, but also very inept in 35 degrees or less. As yes, Lambeau, Green Bay will be 28 degrees at its highest. Jared Goff, zero tutties, five interceptions. A 47% completion in cold weather games. Ooh. Yeah. Jared, Jared Goff is basically a career Cali guy. He, <laughs> yep. he, grew yes, up, he, he grew up, played in California in the San Francisco area. Then he went to Cal, which is in Berkeley in California. 
and now he's playing for the L.A. Rams. <laughs> I mean, the, he's the a Cali guy, guy through and through. The guy really hasn't ever left the sunshine. Yeah, he's a he. Call him. Hey, call him Sunshine. He kind of looks like Sunshine, doesn't he? From remember the Titans a little bit. He did do a little uh, cameo in was it Ballers? I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So, what about Blake Bortles though? Do you think Blake Bortles will be activated? The boat? Yeah, the the, B, well, the triple B? If Walford, BBB? If Blake Walford, Bortles Grant? Yeah, if Walford doesn't play, I'm sure Blake Bortles will be activated. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the thing. We're also going against uh, – oops, let's just let's – just, we don't but need by a the howling way, how about, blizzard sounds. How about that, that picture that was captured of John Walford being taken out on the stretcher with the neck brace yeah. <laughs> as they're loading him? Did he do the, the thumbs up? Into the ambulance. Did he do the thumbs up? Uh, I don't I don't know. I didn't see the video. video. I just saw the picture. The picture? Yeah, basically the, just type in John Walford. There's nothing better than ambulance. Well, I mean, you never want to see a guy get hurt. But when a guy has like, it looks like some career ending, devastating injury, and they put him on the cart with a neck brace, and then he does the well, thumbs up. It's I'm like, if I was in that position, I'd do the thumbs down. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't feel good it right now. It reminded me of Jeff Brom from the XFL <laughs> when Jeff. it first tried to kick off the XFL and remember where he hurt his neck and yes. then he came back on the sidelines with like a neck brace on and was looking like he was lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right here. I got it right here. Jeff Brom, dude. Let's see. I saw his head one way in his body and I'm like, oh, goodness. You know, his nose was out the side of his ear hole and I was like, man. And his helmet was halfway off his head and he was just laying there. I don't know if he was breathing or not. The concerns for quarterback Jeff Brom. So then they had to take him to the hospital to get the x-rays. And once those came out okay, then I was able to uh, come back to the field with a, with a neck brace on. For a guy to take a hit like that and then come back the on the neck sideline and cheer his team on. That really Nothing touching, better than the you know, neck brace, dude. goosebumps not thinking about it. Here you go, Rowdy. Jeff Brom, how in the Here world you go, are you starting this game tonight after taking that hit just six days ago? Well, let me answer, let me answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. <laughs> that's, that. what, that's, that's exactly what it reminded me of when I saw the picture of Walford being put in the ambulance with a neck brace on, but it looked like he was still ready to play. So do you think Walford will come trotting out at Lambeau Field Saturday <laughs> at 3.35 or 3.30 to ask him, how are you back after this hit, Walford? Well, let me ask you two questions. One, is this not the NFL? Yes, it is. Number two, do I not have a pulse? Let's play some football. You think I mean, Walford does that and they go out and win? God, I would like jump off a bridge. If they ask him if he's ready to go, his response should be something along the lines of, did I or did I not <laughs> play in a league similar to the XFL? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. The AAF. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do here is talk ourselves some Big Ten basketball really quick. Also, um, we'll do this more on Wednesday with our guy Barry Richter see if we'll get uh, Mark Strobel on as well, associate head coach, those two cool cats. As Wisconsin hockey took a split over Minnesota over the week, Saturday, Sunday. How about that game Saturday, dude? They took it to the Gophers. I mean, even even on uh, yesterday, they, I think, for the most part, outplayed the Gophers. It's just the the Gophers found the net. Um, You know, happens, right? Yeah, not much else you can say about it. Did I see Um, that the Badgers were ranked 10th? 12th. 12th. But I'm guessing after a split, they'll be going up. Yeah. Because they ended Minnesota streak. Um, what did they end for Minnesota? Were they? I forget exactly what it was, but Badgers get a win Saturday. Uh, it was 3-4-1. F- 
three to one Saturday and five three five three yesterday. Uh, yesterday, yeah. So good on uh, so the hockey boys. By golden goal, it was a tie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the golden goal. Um, so hockey gets her done, but boys, uh, Wisconsin basketball, they have not played since what was it? Uh, was that Thursday that they played? So Wisconsin basketball has not played in a little bit of time, and they also have not had a road game since Christmas. In fact, <laughs> the Badgers have hardly played at all on the road yeah. this year. Yeah, the Badgers, the Badgers beat Indiana at home thir- last Thursday, eighty to seventy-three. That was that double overtime thriller. And then again, they have not had a road game since Christmas when they beat Michigan State on the road. Now finally, they're hitting the road again to take the, take on the tenth-ranked Michigan Wolverines, who are undefeated. Well, you can even go a step further. I mean, they've played twelve games so far this season. They've only left the state of Wisconsin once. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the other road game was Marquette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just one game outside of the state. That's and wild. two technically on the road, and we're creeping up on mid-November here. Thanks, Penn or State. Or mid-January. Yeah. Normally the season starts in what, late October, early yeah. November? <laughs> They've had officially two road games, and we're creeping up on mid-January. <laughs> it's not thanks, Penn State, RJ. It's thanks, COVID-19, yeah, you a-hole, well, you stinker. Penn, Penn State sent their kids home, and... Two guys came back with COVID. <laughs> well, do you think they'll try and, and re- I haven't looked at Penn State. Yeah, I think gonna, they, no, they, they, they still are, are trying they're to They're going to. It. They're going to reschedule it because they, they allowed their, their scheduling or to have if it doesn't work out, we'll just be like the St. Louis Cardinals and say, eh, we're in first place. We don't need to Well, we don't need to. How they that. made the schedule is they made it so there was opportunities to reschedule games. Yeah, that's because like this week. They basically made it a normal schedule. Yeah. <laughs> this week, the Badgers go on a. A road trip. I mean, they yep. go to Michigan and then they go to Rutgers, Rutgers but Friday. then they have hey. eight days off between Rutgers and Ohio State at home. So I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, might as well, you know, if you're out there, Michigan, out to New Jersey to Rutgers, might as well on your way back, circle around to State College. <laughs> yeah, right? no kidding. So Michigan, I mean, the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, they're undefeated. They're number one, ranked 10th in the country. Badgers right now ranked 8th, right? So um, this is a good test, especially because it's, you know, on the road. Um Micah Potter, I have comments from him right now talking about their first role game since Christmas. Here you go. You got to bring your own energy. That's the big thing. Come in ready to swing first and, and react, getting hit, and getting punched, making sure you're swinging back. So biggest thing is bringing our own energy, making sure we're attacking, we're assertive in our decisions and, and confident in our decision-making, whether it be shooting the ball or driving or passing or whatever we do, playing defense, um, and making sure we're playing confident and, and ready to go because Michigan's a great team. Um, they haven't lost yet. We're looking forward to giving them that first one. I love the bravado. Well, I love it. Um, I, f- I found out. You know, everyone was asking us on Friday because last time the Badgers played was Thursday. Everyone was asking us why was uh, what happened with Micah Potter? Why do we not see him on the floor? Because you know, you saw him have that little blow up, a little dust up on the sidelines, and you never saw him again besides maybe like a couple seconds in double OT. I well, think. it also coincided with the it's because of the defensive defense change. Play. So I'm guessing that's what it was. He was told, "Hey, this is happening," and then he was like, "No." Well, we were talking with our sports director Zach Halpern about it, and um, we're like, "Yo, what happened?" Micah Potter blew up on the sidelines, never saw him again besides a couple seconds, you know, in double OT, and then he was back on the bench. We're like, Nelson and I were like, what happened? He's like, it was the defense. Everyone else's defense was so bad that guard's like, I'm sticking with these five guys. Yeah. And that's why he saw those five guys for like, was like 16 minutes. Like the majority of the rest of the, from six minutes on until all, all the way until the conclusion of double OT. He said Micah Potter, whenever he plays bad defensively, always goes to the sidelines and has a little yeah. blow-up. Uh, he's, well, like, talking to himself. He's like, no, oh, go. He's, he's going to have to step up his game. This, I mean, same with Reavers on that defensive end uh, to, to go up against Dickinson, uh, the, the center for Michigan, who 
basically they run their entire offense through, mm-hmm. and nobody's been able to stop him yet. Well, so. he, he's a he's a he's a he's a man. Dude. Yeah. Well, yeah. For the most part, Michigan's been blowing people out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, RJ about Dickinson Hunter Dickinson here is Greg Gard on Michigan's big man. He doesn't play like a freshman. He's more physical than your average freshman. You know, he doesn't get rattled by double teams and teams that have done that to him. He's big. He's listed as seven one, and so he's a handful. But he's got great patience, great poise in there. Obviously, finishes at a high rate. They get him pretty well positioned too. They get him the ball in some pretty high percentage spots yeah that guy's pretty good i mean michigan has beaten every single team they've played by double digits except for one and that was penn state wow yeah michigan's michigan's is a good and michigan if you remember last year they started out really hot under juan howard and then they they cooled off a little bit at the end of the season but they were extremely hot to start that season and now you bring in a kid like dickinson that's a the freshman you knew that juan howard and michigan were going to bring in talent Oh, yes, mm-hmm. Michigan, of course. Um, here is uh, more from Gardo about that lineup. Uh, tough test from them uh, tomorrow night. There's a lot of things, well, can hurt you in a lot of different ways. Mike Smith has come in and done a really good job in place of Xavier Simpson. Hunter Dickinson has come in and replaced John Teske at the center spot. So, um, And then they got experience around him with Wagner and Livers and Wagner. Brooks. And Different obviously, Wagner. like I said before, yeah. playing at a high level like and, and doing a lot Wagner. of things good. So it'll be a great <laughs> test for us. Like how many Wagners we ever got to go against? It's the there? little brother. Yeah, yeah it's another Wagner. Is Wagner the older one in the NBA still? I think he was with the Wizards. Yeah, sounds right. Um, yeah, so big big test coming up here for um, the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, and one more, I got a couple more actually from Micah Potter because Dimitri Trice has been the pulse of the Franz of the Wagner. Sorry about Tron, that. I said Franz Fritz. Wagner. That's okay. Fritz Trons, whatever, dude. <laughs> We got a guy named Von Barron who calls in, aka Barry Richter. So, yeah, Barry, if you're listening, what's up, brother? <laughs> but here is more from uh, Micah Potter talking about how Dimitri Trice has been the go-to guy. Having a guy like that, who's you know his development over the course of even since I've been here, you know, is, is drastic. So, getting kudos to him. You know, he's worked really hard, and, I, and I've worked personally with him. You know, individually, but just being able to see that it makes everyone else's job easier. Having a guy who can come up, make big shots, make the right plays, you know, play good defense, all that kind of stuff. It's it's what you want. A great point guard. All right, so who do you want? The comments are from Micah Potter on Demetri Trice. Obviously, Trice will be balling. Trice is the one that's balling so far uh, the most. Who do you want on uh, Dickinson? Rowdy, will start with you. Your guy, Nate Reavers? I mean, it or has, Micah Potter? It has to be Reavers at this point. I mean, look at what Greg Gard has said. He Oof. said when he went with his best defensive lineup Oof. in that game, you saw that Micah Potter was on the on the bench. You saw that it was Nate Reavers. I mean, Nate Reavers is the all-time blocks leader in Wisconsin history, right? Yeah. He is the the bigger, more physical player down low, correct? Yep. yep. Now, I'm not saying that I love everything I see from him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think right now he is the best option defensively. God. So and do you think we see a new starting five come, come Saturday or tomorrow? Or do they go back to the all-senior starting five and... Well, they'll let that play or we out see for the a little def- while. Or we saw the one we saw at the end of the uh, Indiana game. It was, yeah. all, it was like, what, Trice? Do they play those guys until the first media timeout? Trice, that Wall, make their Reavers, Davison, and, and Davis. Uh, and Davis. I don't know, man. Well, I mean, that's the one that's working, right? Yeah. 
Um, all right, here's comments from Gar- uh, Greg Gard about Johnny Davis. We were just talking about him. His minutes going up. He can make up for some mistakes just with athleticism and length and that factor. You know, I think he's learning on the fly. There's times where, as we've talked, he is kind of in wrong position, wrong time on both ends of the floor. Does get overwhelmed sometimes <laughs> with it mentally. It's spinning really fast for him. But I think just the instincts and the athletic ability allow him to make up for maybe not knowing exactly what he's supposed to be doing or where he's supposed to be. Somebody playing the drums in the background? There? Not the not the most glowing review or commentary no, about Johnny Davis. It's like, yeah, we're giving him more minutes. He gets overwhelmed. He's never in the right place. But Gardo, <laughs> here's the second part of it. He says there well, is I think a- you can tell that by watching, can't you? Yeah, With Johnny yeah. Davis. Well, he's a true freshman. He's, yeah, he's not. He, he, <laughs> he's raw. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. extremely raw, and there's a lot of talent. But you can tell he gets out of position. Sometimes even when he gets those blocks, you're like, well, he was out of position, yeah. but he just happens to be way more athletic than the and guy some that of he's it's guarding. Like, yeah, it's not even the guy he's guarding. It's like he steps yeah. over and leaves a guy wide open. Yeah. But yet the guy who's well, got the ball doesn't see it. And he's just like, eh. See, like when he makes plays like that, that's where you see the flash. You're like, whew, this guy's going to be great. Yeah. But then at other times when he does things like that, he doesn't make the play, and then we'll say his guy gets an easy layup. And yeah. then you're like, that's where oh. he's a raw freshman. Well, right. here is the second part. Here's the butt. <laughs> Here's the Gardo had the ones of like you know kind of the negatives, but here is Gardo on all the reasons to have him out on the floor. There's going to be some freshman miscues. That's part of it. That's part of the growing. But uh, like I said, he just his ability to go make plays on both ends of the floor is what probably gives me the desire to have him on the floor in more minutes. Pretty go. short and sweet yeah. right there from Gardo. I mean, he's right. He's raw, but man, is he good. He is good. Of all those miscues he has, you're like, okay, well, then he just blows you away on some other, like, rebound or some awesome basket. You're like, okay, I can see it. <laughs> well, another thing, like, when he goes to try and make those plays, you can tell he's not shy or timid out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, is he, confident out, he is confident out on the court. Yeah. And, and, how about and this, that's boys? a good thing to see from a young player, regardless if they struggle or play well. well and, and when he's out of position, he doesn't look confused. I think he knows, like, he's like, yep, I was out of position. Yeah. <laughs> Talking the matchup that is the Packers and the Rams this coming Saturday. And why not bring in some Packers royalty to talk about it? Leroy Butler, one of the Hall of Fame finalists. Leroy, what's up, my man? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Dude, we got all kinds of announcements with you, my dude. Like, I know. All right, let's. I mean, where do we even want to start? We don't I don't even know. People with it, but. All right, here. All right, well, what's coming up today? Let's start with, like, what's on the frontal lobe right now, man. As today, you are in yourself a new time slot for the big show coming up here at 10 o'clock. You guys are moving in, uh, you know, right after us here on these airwaves. How's it feel to uh, get that new time slot and tell us everything we can expect in the uh, the new big show? Well, I tell you this: if you listen to a lot of radio shows or podcasts or videos or uh, sports shows, uh, drama shows, Hallmark Channel, <laughs> I mean Hunting Channel, it's going to be all of that, and then you sprinkle in. Of course, a lot of uh, pull a curtain back Packer news. Yeah. So the timing is flawless. I mean, I just can't imagine another time to do any kind of release or launch of any kind, especially with the success of the Packers, but mainly to get to know uh, everybody around the state, which I've been around the state everywhere, every inch of this state, but to be able to talk to those particular people for four hours is amazing. Now, you said Hallmark Channel. I don't think you was a Hallmark guy. I think that's more of Gary Ellerson, right? No, my wife watching <laughs> me around, man. I'm serious, man. 
Well, they're going to get to know our families, too. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be driving around, you're going to have to pull over because some of this stuff is just, and it's not scripted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all off the cuff. I, that's why I love it. I love the stories from because I've hung out with all you, all you Packers guys and stuff. I mean, hanging out with yep. Antonio Freeman, him giving me all kinds of hilarious stories, and we had Gilbert Brown, him giving all kinds of you know funny stories. Listening to you in the Big Show, all kinds of funny stories. So, Leap, let me ask you, dude. Also, what you're doing is your new vodka is what dropping this month, right? On t- today, today's the yeah, day. Yeah, today. Yeah. So and I heard. Um, I heard a few stores got it over the weekend and did very well. So I'm excited. And we're doing a signature drink. Uh, like people can post their own signature drinks um, this week. So we're excited. And it's going to be all over the state. If you go into a store and they don't have it, make sure you talk to the store director. Make sure he well, gets I'll it. I'll be pounding you. on the desk being like, give me Leap Vodka. Give me Leap Vodka. So, hey, Leroy, exactly. Laura, do you, what do you think about Bloody Marys? I'm a, I'm a big Bloody Mary guy. What, what's your stance on them? Well, you know, Gary Ellison and uh, my nephew got into a debate about it um, about, what, six months ago when we were testing it. And I was like, dude, it's just Bloody Mary. What's the big deal? My nephew was like, no, it's a vegetable, so you can drink it in the morning, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, it's just a bloody... I always thought Bloody Mary and a drink was a young lady drink, so to see you guys <laughs> arguing over it, I was like, I guess that was groundbreaking. I didn't know. Okay, well, here, let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I'm a proponent... I, I think it should be enjoyed any time of the day. I call it the anytime drink. Morning, <laughs> noon, night. It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter. All right, so I'm going to put some Leap Vodka in it. We're going to try it out, man. But I'm going to go find this. I'm going to go to Woodman's down here. And I heard Aaron Rodgers talk about Woodman's the other day. I'm going to go down here to Woodman's. I guarantee you they'll have it. I'll pick up a bottle, and I'll put it out on the socials. And we'll get a movement here in Madison, Wisconsin, for Leap Premium Vodka, my man. Uh, Sounds great. I appreciate it. Yeah, Leroy Butler joining us right now. Uh, let me ask you, man. The Rams are set now, coming to Lambeau Field. Yeah. What's yeah. it like in playoff football and the frozen tundra? Is there just like that mystique to it? What's it feel like as a player? Now, I'll tell you this. I've always had a conversation with players when they drive up to the stadium. And this is goes back to the 90s. And when we changed the stadium, you know, when they did some, you know, they were thinking about actually moving it. But people said, now nah, we'll keep it here. And they kind of built around it. And players said, I know we don't have fans and we're in a pandemic. I, I, I really do. I, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But when players enter that parking lot on your bus, you can feel the Bard stars of the world. And you can feel back in the 90s, we were like 48-5 and five at that particular stadium. And you also know that Aaron Rodgers never had home field throughout when he was the starting quarterback. Those four times were on the road. It is an advantage, not to mention, you know, traveling and stuff like that, but the weather. But that stadium is one of the most historical stadiums, and people know about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me ask you, man, because it's, you know, you are the inventor of the Lambo Leap. I mean, hence the Leap Premium Vodka. Yeah, I mean, come on. So, I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? <laughs> when you see no fans in the stands and Packers still doing the Lambo Leap, does it break your heart a little bit? It does, especially when A.J. Dillon jumped up there and he almost hurt himself. Because yeah. Those were the fans help you. The reason why it's the best celebration ever, in my opinion, because it has to do with the fans. Now, they will have a few thousand, maybe or maybe a little bit less, of fans, healthcare workers, yeah. frontline workers, first responders there. But it's nothing like 80,000 people there. And when you score and you drop the football and they know it's coming, 
that's amazing. Yeah. So I think Aaron Jones was actually the first one when he first scored in 2020. He kind of jumped up there to see what it was like. <laughs> and it's just different without the fans. The fans are amazing, especially for this franchise. Hey, uh, Leroy, are you a beer drinker by chance? No, no. Well, when you jumped up into the into the stands, did, <laughs> did fans pour some beer on you there, brother? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember after I did that, I went to the sideline. That's a good question. And I remember Brett, running, if you sit on YouTube, you'll see Brett run out there and we start doing this weird dance. He abruptly turns and run away. He said, oh, man, you smell like beer. I said, yeah, this guy spilled the beer on me. It was all frozen down in my shoulder pad. It was, a, <laughs> it was hilarious because, you know, you can imagine people didn't know what to expect. Right. So you're thinking, uh-oh. So here's a guy running towards him. What is he about to do? So people didn't have time to throw away those slushy beers they waited, you know, inside for 20 minutes in line to pick up. That's funny. Yeah, so we had Amon Green on a couple of times, and Amon would talk about how he wasn't a beer drinker either, but he'd jump in, and then he'd say, that beer just tasted a little <laughs> it tasted a little sweeter because knowing you scored that touchdown, my man. Yeah, Jordan Nelson had one that you could see a guy had some nachos, and the guy just threw the nachos and the beer up in the air, and Jordy jumped up there, and you could see the guy's face. He was excited, but when he noticed, um, where's my beer and nachos, his face changed. It's hilarious. Hey, man, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about how you're in that, you know, the finalist for the Hall of Fame. But first, you got the Rams coming into Titletown. What do you think about this matchup for uh, the Packers Saturday at 335? It's another common opponent. If you think about common, I'm talking about Matt LaFleur. It's a team he's very familiar with. They run the same offense. He knows McVay. I mean, that was the same thing that the um, the – things that, that was parallel with San Francisco. He knew those guys. So it's another opponent they know a lot about. I don't know if Jared Goff is going to be able to play. Aaron Donald and uh, Cooper Cup may play. But in the meantime, I mean, the Packers are so healthy right now, and they have, they're have they on a mission yeah. to win two games to get to the Super Bowl. Is this the year? Can you feel it? Oh, yeah, no question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's full disclosure, Packers fans, we think that every year. But put that to the side. You got the MVP quarterback. You got seven pro bowlers. You got, you know, four all pros. You have everything you need. I mean, and I love the fact that, you know, Matt LaFleur has his team focused on first, not getting COVID, second, <laughs> getting to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. All right, Leap, before I let you go, my man, we appreciate your time for you calling in and talking about, you know, your vodka that uh, debuted today. We're going to go out to all the stores we can find it in, like Woodman's over here. We're going to go buy it. We're going to go have ourselves some Leap Premium Vodka. But, dude, are you going to be drinking a lot of Leap Premium Vodka once they shoo you into that Hall of Fame, my man? I tell you what, if I get in, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because <laughs> you never know. I, I got a feeling my friends will. <laughs> I got a feeling when you have a friend and you have a vodka, you probably uh, consume your own product and you won't make any money. So my friends got they got to celebrate, but they got to wait till I get in first. <laughs> you got it, man. Well, we're excited to catch you today at ten o'clock, starting here for the big show. Uh, I mean, what are we talking? I assume it's Packers, man. I mean, you're you're a Hall of Famer, Packer, you're a lifetimer, dude. Is going to be Packers today? No question about it. I mean, you got the Rams are an opponent we thought we'd be able to play. We were hoping it would be Tampa, but at some point they, these two teams will meet. But I, again, you got to win in the first round. But you remember the only team to get a bye week, so you got to come out fresh, get ahead, 
And once you get ahead, it'll be like 19 degrees and snowing and raining, and it'll be a blizzard. The next thing you know, you've won like 33 to 19. Well, Leap, we're going to check it all out today, my man. Excited to catch the big show, and we appreciate your time on this show, sharing the Thank love, man. Thank you so much. We love you here, kid. Stick around. Yeah, we love you guys, too. <laughs> take care. All right, so take care. There he is. Leroy Butler. Hell yeah, Rowdy. What do you think? We were talking off here a little bit about some analytics. In the Buffalo Bills game, and I want to do analytics because Aaron Rodgers had some comments on analytics. In the Buffalo Bills game, Bills win 27-24. to What, midway through the fourth quarter, the Colts went for a two-point conversion, and they failed on it. And you were telling me off-air about analytics. What were you saying off-air well, about going for two? Me personally, I think this is just sports in general, baseball, football, I think analytics is kind of killing sports. I, I 110% agree. I have comments from Aaron Rodgers on the upcoming. Analytics, tell us what you're saying. Analytics and replay, it's kind of killing sports, and it's just dumbing everything down, in my opinion. Yes. But, I mean, if you're talking about the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bill game where the Colts went for two, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter, especially Colts Twitter, were losing their mind on why Frank Reich would go for two in that situation – being what they were down, how much time was left, and, and just kind of like banging their head against the wall. Mm-hmm. Well, analytically, it makes sense. But a lot of these nerdy guys that do the analytics, nerds, don't or never have actually played the game. And so, that's where there's a little disconnect. Well, the, the, the analytic side of sports is dr- drives me nuts. Not in a good way. It drives me like bonkers. Because you got, to your point... All these Poindexters sitting around thinking that they know what's best because they, they crunched some numbers in a calculator. Like, well, actually, you get a 33.4% chance if you do this compared to a 33.3% chance of doing this. And th- and to me, yes. there's, a, there's a difference to me between not ever playing the sport and not being good at the sport, but like becoming a coach and stuff. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, because look at a lot of the coaches in the NFL, they played. Some of them played professionally, played. other played in college, but for the most part, they never made it to be all pros or everything yeah. like that, but they know the game. They're bit players that, or, that knew, yeah, know the game. Even exactly. look at a lot of the college or high school coaches around the country. They, they've been around the game for a long time. They themselves might not have been good at the sport, but they understand, they understand the sport. It. A lot of these analytics people... They're nowhere near the sport. They're literally, like you said, just crunching numbers saying, well, in my database here where I take this bit of data and this bit of data, it's telling me that we should collect more guys that swing for the fences than guys that hit 300. Yeah, well, my, my T91 calculator said that uh, we should be doing this because it gives me a point oh 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 three percent chance of being better. It's like, dude, there's a thing called, do you think momentum is real? A hundred percent. Can you feel momentum? Even watching a game, can you feel momentum? You can you can feel momentum when you're in the crowd, when you're in the stands, mm-hmm. or when you're on the sidelines and playing. Yeah. I can feel and momentum y- through the TV. You can kind of feel it in the TV, but not as much as if you're there. Well, you can tell when a team's you can tell when a team is feeling it, right? When a team like like you could send out all defense world beaters, and if Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams are feeling it, you can just tell that they're able to work the ins and out of that all-pro defense, that world-beating defense, and still able to go and score. Momentum, you can feel it. Well, if you look at some of the games this weekend where people were complaining or questioning what are they doing or why didn't they do this, why did he do that, and you look at the going back to the Colts game, 
Well, the reason why Frank Reich went for two is because they had to score twice, right? Yes. You're assuming you're going to stop the other team Mm -hmm. or else you're never going to actually tie the game in general. Yes. So you think you're going to get stops and you got to score twice. Well, it's about a 50% chance whether you get the two or not. That's that's the odds. That's the statistic. That's pretty good in football, 50% chance. Half those times since you have to go for two twice, you're going to get it. So one out of two times. Mm-hmm. That's 50% of the time. Not bad. The other 25% of the time, you're going to get the two-point conversion both times. Mm-hmm. And then the other 25 cent, or 25% out of the 100 would be you go 0 for 2. So the analytics are telling you 75% of the time, you are either going to be tied or winning the game by yes. going for two in that situation. That's why he did it. But where I struggle with this is if you believe in that, why would you ever kick extra points? Right. Because, so you just because go kicking them. extra points in the NFL, especially since they moved it back, is now between like 94 and 95%. Yeah. So what, you, so what you're telling me is if you truly believe in the analytics and going for two all the time in that situation, you'd never kick an extra point because you're actually losing a point 5% <laughs> of the time. You just go for it, right? Well, okay, on, I'm glad we talked analytics because Aaron Rodgers was you know, talking to the media about I'm a huge believer in momentum. I think it's something you can feel. It's tangible. You can you can you can feel its presence. Or right? like you, you saw, like I think it was the Tennessee Titans game where they were complaining and screaming for Mike Vrabel to go for it on fourth and one. Or there's other games where you can watch it. I think it was the Steelers. Well, the Steelers game. one where they punted it's on like, fourth and why one. Why did you point punt on fourth and one or fourth and two? And yeah, like obviously maybe their statistics told them to do that. But you know, watching that game, that's critical. You need to pick that up now. exactly. But if you believed in these certain analytics 100%, you would either punt there every single time yes. or you would go for it there every single time, depending on what it said. Yep. So I don't get why these – it's kind of a cop-out for the manager, or the managers or the coaches, coaches now yeah. because at some time they could say, well, I felt like I wanted to punt the football and play defense because our defense was playing That's what well. our numbers told us. But then the, the next time it comes up, you know, they say they go for it and they get stopped, and it was, well, the numbers told us to do numbers, it. The, the, the play she told us to, the numbers told us to do it. It's like, can't you use – there's a thing called gut instinct, and I don't know, Rowdy, what, my first gut instinct on a lot of things is usually right. Same – you ever have, like, is your gut good or bad when it comes to decisions? Well, I think for me, it's I'm usually 100 percent spot on with the same with thing. me. But I think that's just everyone in general. You kind of have that, yeah, sixth sense. And then, what, then when you start questioning yourself, and then you start looking at other factors, like even like in betting, and then you start looking at other factors, then you can talk yourself out of something that was it probably going to happen. It doesn't even have to be betting. You can do it's something anything. even more common that I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this radio station do in the fall, and that's fantasy football. Yeah, how. How much do you kill yourself when you start, you start going, who should, who should I play this week? Like, I should play this guy. Then, oh, wait a second. I got, I got Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Who do, you, who do you think I should play this week? Oh, oh, oh I'm oh, not sure. Oh. Well, uh, last time they played Seattle, Robert Woods did this. And, and then, then you start all looking sudden, at all the... And then all of a sudden you're going to find a guy that's on waivers that maybe is a better option than both of them. And then you're like, well, maybe well, I picked him up, so now do I play him here? Yeah. Once you start doing that the you're, whole time... You're doomed. You're just going... To second guess yourself, yeah, you drive yourself mad. Have you ever watched the the league where it yes. was Ruxin, where he he was doing that the whole time and he's yes. losing his mind? Yes, <laughs> that's that's how it is. Like, okay, so I'm a big believer in momentum. Rowdy, you're a make believer a decision in momentum. and stick with it. Here is Aaron Rodgers talking about momentum, and it'll drive the analytic nerds 
crazy. Here's uh, number twelve. I think that there's momentum uh, in a game, and I and I, I believe that there's been some uh, some analytic guys over the years who don't really believe in momentum, uh, but to me, it's a tangible energy you can feel on the field. I believe it's a lot less without a crowd. I really do. You know, I think that's a, a big part of the game. Sometimes there's an avalanche of tsunami, if you will, of um, uh, emotion and energy that can spur on an offense or a defense. Depends on what side of the ball's on the field and if you're playing at home or away. That can re- be really tough uh, to contend with. Um, at the same time, you having to create kind of your own energy on the sideline and, and obviously when you play on the field, it is a bit different this season, but there are momentum swings and uh, swings in confidence that greatly affect, I believe, the efficiency of an offense or a defense based on how you're playing at that time, how you're the opposing or the other side of the ball for your team is playing. You know, if your defense is rolling, that can really give your offense confidence and momentum uh, that you can kind of relax a little bit more maybe and, and, and trust that the defense is going to do it and maybe allows you to play a little freer. Um, and vice versa. Now, when you're on the flip side of that, it you know it can add some some extra pressure to uh, to a certain drive or a play or a situation. Um, but again, I think a lot of that's tempered based on the fact that we don't have the same type of energy from a crowd that that uh, can create and add. Well, it can add to maybe not create, but can add to the momentum of uh, certain situations. Oh, so there's Rogers on momentum and a crowd and you know. Fans in the stands, obviously. I'm a big believer in what Aaron Rodgers just said. Momentum is real. You can feel it. It's tangible. Um, and that brings me to this you know, little topic right here, Rowdy. Uh, over the weekend, we saw one, two, three, four of the six away teams win on the road. I know there was some fans in stands and some of them, but it's not like you're at what? I think the most was 21% well, capacity. And you know you know that having fans in the stands, being there, getting all loud in a competitive game, of course, because these playoff games are so back and forth, they are yeah. super competitive because it's winner take all. You're playing for that Super Bowl. I mean, even if you – obviously a lot of people didn't play college football or they didn't play NFL football, but think about growing up playing peewee football when it was basically like a handful of parents that were there watching, and then all of a sudden the difference that there was in emotion and fans to just high school when the whole high school stands are filled on a Friday night. Yeah. Even that's a big difference, and that's just peewee to high school. Yeah. Imagine playing for the Super Bowl, the trophy that everyone covets since they were about five years old. Yeah. I mean, momentum is a real thing, and a lot of the analytic nerds like to poo-poo it. With no fans in the stands, it's tough. I think they're what, allowing 6,000 fans in the Lambeau Field. I don't know how much that's going to add to what it is, but I think Aaron Rodgers, despite no fans in the stands, I think Aaron Rodgers has thrived this season. That's why I see him looking – I mean – He's the master at his cadence, the master at the hard count, you know, getting guys to jump off uh, offsides. If Aaron Rodgers and that Devontae uh, Adams connection is just masterful, I think no fans in the stands has, you know, helped them and aided them in that, but I'm not worried about no fans at Lambeau or 6,000 fans at Lambeau. So the Packers are just better. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers being better without fans, but do you think that could just come down to Aaron Rodgers' attitude this year? Yeah, well, yeah, totally. Because he talked about how you feed off the momentum and you feed off energy. Mm-hmm. Look at back in the past. We'll we'll go back to when Mike McCarthy was at the end of his tenure, and Big they Mike, were baby. they were visibly arguing and going at it. Right? Did you just listen to that question I just answered? Yeah. 
they were visibly sorry, Big Mike. We vis- visibly upset with each other. They were not happy. Well, what's the energy that's being given off? Bad energy. Yeah, like it's negative. People are yelling at mm. each other. People negative are, energy doesn't work anywhere. People are upset with maybe routes that people are running or not catching a football. I mean, hell, they could be upset with someone showing up about 10, and, 15 minutes late to work. And and say that all of a sudden... Being a booze hound, who knows? All of a sudden say, you know, the fans are kind of feeling that momentum uh-huh. and, and say they were on the road. And now you have the fans that are also interacting and they're kind of even more negative. And Aaron Rodgers was showing a lot of negative... Oh, big, big negative vibes. Negative vibes, either in his facial recognition or things that he was saying Just or mannerisms, doing. yeah. Exactly. Now, without any fans... And I feel like a new kind of, we'll say, lease on life this year. Yeah. He seems cool, relaxed, and he doesn't even have any of the fans' momentum. Yeah. So it's basically just him and his energy. Yeah. And he's been a Zen master, we'll say, this year. Him and his hang on Phil Jackson. I think I think it's a combination of Aaron Rodgers and where he's mentally at this year, and the fact that there's less distraction with fans. Yeah, the only time you ever really see bad body language and negative energy from Rodgers is when, I don't know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling drops a sure touchdown pass, but literally everyone has the same reaction that Rodgers does. Are you effing serious, dude? Yeah, I mean, the Packers, it's a new vibe with the team. It's new, you know, this this new swagger about them. So let me ask you, dude, with the L.A. Rams getting a win, you know, Jared Goff has the huge thumb injury, just had surgery, Aaron Donald has the rib injury now because Russell Wilson sat on him, you know, bruised his ribs at minimum. Cooper Cup's got baritis in his knee now, can barely run. Now, Walford, their uh, starting quarterback, got his bell wrong. He's day-to-day with the stinger. Was there any team still left in the playoffs? Obviously, the Rams will be the one on the Packers docket, but let's say we advance and move and meet, like, the Saints or the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. Is there any team left in the playoffs that actually scare you? Don't answer it yet! Because that's the tease.